You are listening to Talk Geek 3 News number 60, recorded for February the 15th, 2012. You are listening to the tech-only Hacker Public Radio edition. To get the full podcast, including political commentary and other controversial topics, please visit www.talkgeek2me.us. Here are the vile statistics for this program. Your feedback matters to me. Please send your comments to dg at deepgeek.us. The webpage for this program is at www.talkgeektome.us. You can subscribe to me on Identica as the username DeepGeek, or you could follow me on Twitter. My username there is DGTGTM, as in DeepGeek, TalkGeek to me. And now the tech roundup. From EFF.org, dead February the 8th, 2012, by Jillian York, India's Downward Spiral, How India's Losing Its Footing on Free Expression. The world's biggest democracy is a formidable power in the IT sector, with software exports compromising approximately 10% of India's total GDP, and a technology sector that employs more than 2.5 million people, India is poised to become a global industry leader. Over the past 10 years, India has also experienced a rapid increase in Internet penetration, growing from 5.5 million users in 2000 to 6 1.3 million in 2009, and government initiatives have brought the Internet to rural areas by the way of setting up cyber cafes in the hopes of closing the country's digital divide. Despite such growth, or perhaps because of it, India has struggled to strike a balance between its security concerns and online freedom. As we previously noted, India has been known to censor online content, typically under the guise of national security or of obscenity. Though the country's constitution guarantees the right to freedom of expression, the state is given the right to impose reasonable restrictions in the interests of the sovereignty and the integrity of India, the security of the state, friendly relations with foreign states, public order, decency, or morality, or in relation to the contempt of court, defamation, or incitement to an offense. As such, the 2000 Information Technology Act allows for the blocking of certain content online. In 2003, the Indian government created the Indian Computer Emergency Response Team, CERT-IN, to issue blocking orders of websites. Another provision, Section 144 of the Code of Criminal Procedure, allows police commissioners to identify and order the blocking of material that contains a threat or nuisance to society. In recent years, online censorship has become part of the national discourse in India, in particular a set of regulations that went into effect on April 2011. The Intermediate Guidelines Rules and Cyber Café Rules have inspired new dialogue in India around the limits to speech. The broad Intermediate Guidelines give power to citizens to submit complaints upon which intermediaries are required to take down offensive content within 36 hours with no transparency requirement, says Pranesh Prakash of the Center for Internet and Society, which tested the regulations by submitting frivolous requests. If we hadn't kept track of their fulfilled takedown requests, it would be as though the content never existed. On Monday, reports emerged that Google India had removed web pages deemed offensive to Indian political and religious leaders to comply with a court case filed by journalist Vinay Ray, 
who demands regulation of offensive and objectionable material, Ray's case followed a widely publicized December meeting in which Indian Telecommunications Minister Kapil Sibbal met with top executives of Internet companies and social media sites in an attempt to compel them to proactively filter certain content. Though at that time the company stated that such a move would be impossible, a January Delhi High Court decision issued by Justice Suresh Kate has apparently forced their hands. Issuing his decision, Justice Kate told lawyers for several of the companies that, unless they develop the capability to regulate offensive and objectionable material on their sites, the Indian government would block their websites like China does. The Delhi court gave Google, as well as 21 other websites, two weeks to present further plans for policing their networks, according to an AP report. Facebook, Yahoo, and Microsoft have reportedly questioned their inclusion in the case on the basis that no specific complaints have been presented against them. In response to the case, Communications Minister Sakin Pilot claimed that there is no question of any censorship, arguing that foreign companies must be responsible and operate within the laws of the country. As we have written before, when a company has employees in a given country, it has little choice when faced with a legal order. Apart from leaving the country altogether, the company can refuse to comply and put its employees at risk of arrest, or worse, or it can comply with the order and risk backlash from users. Censorship, therefore, becomes a necessary trade-off. A company must make in order to continue its operations, a chilling effect of choosing to operate somewhere where freedom of expression is under threat. Many companies, including Google and Twitter, have developed mechanisms by which they can locally censor content. This means that when companies comply with legal orders, content is removed on a country-per-country basis, as opposed to being taken down across the entire site. EFF views this as a good thing in that it minimizes censorship, however, with the caveat that transparency in such decisions is vital. Google, for its part, publishes a transparency report in which the company shares information about requests for user data and content removals. In respect to India, the company reports that from January to June 2011, it declined the majority of YouTube takedown requests, but locally restricted videos that appeared to violate local laws, prohibiting speech that could incite enmity between communities. The report shows that Google complied with 51% of the 68 requests it received during that period. Twitter has also vowed to be transparent in its per-country takedowns, reporting requests to the Chilling Effects Clearinghouse. Other companies, such as Facebook, have not offered transparency reports to the public. These mechanisms for transparency are vital to all citizens' ability to seek, receive, and impart information and ideas, regardless of borders. Despite the transparency, EFF has concerns that these localized content removals are leading to a fractured web, in which different countries have different views of the Internet. To that end, we encourage companies considering opening foreign offices to think carefully about a given country's track record on freedom of expression. As for India, we believe that by placing such pervasive restrictions on free expression, the Indian government is losing an opportunity to be an important part of the digital revolution. The inhibition of free speech to such a degree poses a real threat to India's once thriving democracy. As UN Special Rapporteur on Freedom of Expression, Frank LaRue, stated last year in his widely cited report, quote, 
By vastly expanding the capacity of individuals to enjoy their right to freedom of opinion and expression, which is an enabler of other human rights, the Internet boosts economic, social, and political development and contributes to the progress of humankind as a whole, unquote. EFF calls upon the government of India to respect the principles of free expression laid out in Article 19 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and halt further regression of rights and freedoms. From EFF.org, dated February 7, 2012, by Mitch Stolitz. Letters to the Copyright Office. Why I Jailbreak. EFF has asked the U.S. Copyright Office to declare that jailbreaking smartphones, tablets, and game consoles does not violate the DMCA and there are only two days left to submit comments to the Copyright Office or to sign on to letters supporting our exemption request from video game system hacker Bunny Huang, and everything is a remix filmmaker Kirby Ferguson. We've already heard from many device users who have spoken up to explain why installing the software they choose on the devices they own should stay legal. Kevin McLeod is a deaf man who uses his Android phone, a Samsung Epic 4G, to assist him with communication, record keeping, and time management. Like many deaf people, he uses video relay service, VRS software, on his phone to, quote, work on a level playing field with hearing peers and have productive and meaningful careers." Unquote. He had these comments for the Copyright Office. Quote, I need a phone that can run VRS software through the day without having to recharge every other hour. The stock phone I received can't do that. I had to upgrade to a more powerful battery. Then I installed an alternative version of the Android operating system called CleanGB that removes most of the carrier installed software this freed up memory and battery resources I need to stay connected. We need the ability to modify our devices because manufacturers and carriers can't possibly anticipate all the needs of their customers. We need flexibility to make the most of the terrific tools they build for us. I love the power and connectivity my phone gives me. I love that I can customize it to meet my unique needs." End quote. And Tom Van Nostrand sent these comments from Kuwait. Quote, I work on an army base in the Middle East, and at night it is very dark. Oftentimes for my job I have walk outside the trailer, and there's rocks, scorpions, spiny-tailed lizards, wild dogs, etc. to look out for outside. I jailbreak my phone specifically so that I can set a button to immediately turn on the flashlight of my camera when I need it. Please do not make it against the law for me to be safe while supporting the U.S. Army's troops. End quote. Stephanie Hughes had this to say, quote, I'm a nurse, and the customizations I can make to my devices after jailbreaking increases my productivity and success in my job every day. I can track my performance, treatments used on patients, and the effects of those treatments much faster with customizations that are not available on a device that is not jailbroken. End quote. Reasons for jailbreaking personal devices are as varied as the people who use them, but they share two common themes. One, the little sure fear with people's use of their own devices, and two, personal devices can't reach their full potential when manufacturers artificially limit their uses. If you have a compelling story for the Copyright Office, submit your comments today and sign on to the Jailbreaking is Not a Crime and Rip, Mix, Make Letters from torrentfreak.com by Ernesto, dated February 6, 2012. BitTorrent giant BT Junkie shuts down for good.
BT Junkie, one of the largest BitTorrent indexes on the Internet, has decided to shut down voluntarily today. A combination of legal actions against fellow file-sharing sites and time-consuming projects have led to the drastic decision that takes out one of the main players in the BitTorrent landscape. Founded in June 2005, BT Junkie has been among the top BitTorrent sites for more than half a decade. The site was never involved in any legal action, and to keep it this way, the site's operators decided to shut the site down for good today. The following message was posted on the BT Junkie homepage a few minutes ago. This is the end of the line, my friends. The decision does not come easy, but we've decided to voluntarily shut down. We've been fighting for years for your right to communicate, but it's time to move on. It's been an experience of a lifetime. We wish you all the best. Talking to Torrent Freak, BT Junkies founder said that the legal actions against other file-sharing sites such as Mega Upload and the Pirate Bay played an important role in making the difficult decision. Witnessing all the trouble colleagues got into was cause for a lot of worry and stress, and those will now belong to the past. That said, BT Junkies owner still thinks there might be a future for other BitTorrent sites. Quote, I really do hope so. The war is far from over for sure. Unquote, he told Torrent Freak. While BT Junkie was never targeted directly by copyright holders, the site was reported to the U.S. Trade Representative November last year. Both the RIAA and MPAA listed the Torrent Index as a rogue site that facilitated mass copyright infringement. BT Junkie is also one of the search terms censored by Google because it's piracy-related alongside the Pirate Bay, RapidShare, uTorrent, and others. As a result of the decision to shut down BT Junkie, one of the top five torrent sites with dozens of millions of users a month is no more. Judging from previous shutdowns like that of Torrent Spy and Mininova, users will quickly find a new home at one of the many alternatives. Nonetheless, it's the end of the era. Rest in peace, BT Junkie. From TechDirt.com by Mike Masnick, dated February 9, 2012. Congress actually helping the Internet rather than mucking it up? We're so used to Congress trying to muck up the Internet that it's rare we hear about cases where they're actually looking to make things better. While the idea has been floating around for a little while, and the actual bill was introduced back in December when we were focused on the whole Super Peepa debate, the Stop Act is starting to get some attention, with co-sponsors Senators Jerry Moran and Mark Warner taking to the Wall Street Journal to explain why the Stop Act is important. The basic idea behind the bill is to remove some of the regulatory hassles of starting and building a new company. As we pointed out repeatedly, studies have shown that pretty much all of the net job growth in the U.S. comes from startups. And a bill like the Startup Act should help make it easier for startups to get going. To be honest, the bill could even be stronger in a bunch of places, but as a starting point, it's definitely nice to see. The focus is on making it easier for startups to be startups by doing the following. It will make permanent a capital gains tax exemption on the sale of certain kinds of small business stock that is held for at least five years. In other words, it will encourage long-term investment in startups, which is just the kind of investing we should be encouraging rather than quick-flip-type investing, which is more about gambling on changes rather than investing in economic growth. It decreases corporate taxes on new businesses during the first three years of profitability, again making it easier for young companies to grow and to reinvest their own profits in jobs and growth. 
While it doesn't do away with crippling government regulations for small businesses, it does require a cost-benefit analysis of the economic impact of many of those regulations on startups. It implements a simplified form of Startup Founders Visa, which is about helping non-Americans start companies and create jobs in the U.S. We've talked about Startup Visa in the past and why it's a good idea. No matter how you feel about other immigration issues, this one is pretty clearly about having immigrants create jobs in the U.S. rather than elsewhere. There are a few other things in the bill, but overall, the key point is to basically get overbearing regulations out of the way. These are regulations that bog down many startups or prevent them from getting started at all and really put a drain on the key part of the economy that is contributing to both job growth and economic growth. It's rare to see Congress trying to do something that helps the Internet rather than mucks it up, so we should certainly highlight when such efforts are being pushed forward. I have a few quibbles around the edges on pieces of the bill and really think it should go further in other areas, but on the whole, it's a really good start. From TorrentFreak.com by Ernesto did February 9, 2012. Download a copy of the Pirate Bay. It's only 90 megabytes. Soon the Pirate Bay will stop linking to .torrent files. Instead, the world's largest BitTorrent site will only list so-called magnet links. One of the advantages of the switch is that the Pirate Bay will be much more portable and easier to copy. A new torrent listing, all titles, and magnet links on the Pirate Bay proves this point, as the public can download the copy that fits easily on a small USB stick, or even a few dozen floppies. Last month, the Pirate Bay announced that it will stop hosting torrents in the very near future. This change is expected to go into effect before the end of the month. From then on, Pirate Bay users can only download files through magnet links. The Pirate Bay team told Torrent Freak that one of the advantages to the transition to a magnet site is that it requires relatively little bandwidth to host a proxy site. This is needed because the Pirate Bay is currently blocked in several countries, and more are bound to follow in the months to come. Without torrents, the Pirate Bay also becomes extremely portable, which makes it possible for people to download a personal backup. As we said before, such a copy would easily fit on a thumb drive. Pirate Bay user Alice Fine was intrigued by this idea and decided to find out how small a copy of the torrent site would be. Quote, I did a complete snapshot of all the Pirate Bay torrents in case somebody wants to close it or something similarly crazy, unquote, he told Torrent Freak. Using this script, which is available at the article, Alice Fine managed to copy the title, ID, file size, seeds, leechers, and magnet links of 1,643,194 torrents. Comments were not copied to keep the files as small as possible, and the end result is a full copy of all magnet links on the Pirate Bay in a 90 megabyte file, 164 megabytes unzipped. There is some confusion as to whether the 1,643,194 torrents are indeed a full copy of the site, as the Pirate Bay itself lists 4,199,832 torrents in the footer link on its site. However, the latter stats apply to the number of torrents that are available on several public trackers. The Pirate Bay itself only hosts a fraction of those. With the release of the copy, anyone can now download a personal backup of the Pirate Bay 
in a few minutes. Although searching the copy isn't as convenient as using the Pirate Bay itself, there is little doubt that someone else will soon come up with another script that solves this problem. Recent history has shown that when a site is threatened with shutdown or censored, the Internet is very quick to come up with a workaround, and with thousands of backups of the Pirate Bay floating around, it will be very hard at this point to get rid of the famous torrent site. What's perhaps even more striking is that the greatest arch-rival of a billion-dollar entertainment industry is nothing more than 164 megabytes of text. Something to think about. Update. Here's a copy of 17 million torrents from bitsnoop.com, pretty much the same format but nicely categorized. It's only 535 megabytes. News from HavanaTimes.org, MaggieMcNeil.wordpress.com, TechDirt.com, and UFCWBlockspot.com used under arranged permission. News from EFF.org and TorrentFreak.com used under permission of the Creative Commons by Attribution License. News from DemocracyNow.org used under permission of the Creative Commons by Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. News sources retain their respective copyrights. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Geek to Me. Here are the vital statistics for this program. Your feedback matters to me. Please send your comments to dg at deepgeek.us. The webpage for this program is at www.talkgeektome.us. You can subscribe to me on Identica as the username DeepGeek, or you could follow me on Twitter. My username there is DGTGTM, as in DeepGeek. Talk Geek to Me. This episode of Talk Geek to Me is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 Unpoured License. This license allows commercial reuse of the work as well as allowing you to modify the work so long as you share alike the same rights you have received under this license. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Geek to Me. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binref.com. All binref projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.